0: Daily with Jason Mertedas, and welcome to your May 27th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertedas. A ton to get to in this episode, but let me tell you first of all that the Flyers Daily is brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings, give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. Coming up, we're going to get to NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman's announcement of the return to play scenario. We know that the 2014 Playoff field was uh, approved by the NHLPA. Uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman did have an announcement on Tuesday afternoon at 4:30, lining out some of the details of that. The NHL regular season is completely over. That is done, and the Flyers have finished that with a record of 41-21 and seven 89 points. Travis Konechny will finish the regular season as the Flyers' uh, leading goal scorer with 24 goals and point getter with 61. Uh, he and Sean Couturier each finishes as the co-leaders in assists with 37s. Flyers clinched the playoff spot, clinched a top-four spot in the Eastern Conference, and as a result of that they will play the other top three seeds in the Eastern Conference. That would be the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Washington Capitals in a round robin, and the result of that will determine the seeding for the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. And uh, the Flyers, this is really a a win-win for them because as the four seed going in, uh, they obviously can't drop below the four seed, so they can only move up. So very beneficial to the Flyers. Uh, They will be regular season rules in those round-robin games, which means uh, a standard three-on-three overtime and shootout if necessary. And in the event of any tie in the uh, the round-robin, they would uh, default to the team that had the higher – points in the regular season. So the Flyers would lose a tiebreaker, but they can move up in their seating here, and that will determine who they play in the first round and uh, who the teams are that get by the play-in round. The actual playoffs don't really technically begin until the field of 16, and we'll see who the Flyers end up getting. And one thing that uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman did mention in his announcement, and you'll hear it, is they're still not sure if they're going to go to a bracket system or a reseed. Uh, we'll find that out in due time. Uh, the regular season rules, as I mentioned, best of five series uh, for the play-in rounds as well. Commissioner Gary Bettman did mention that uh, rounds one and rounds two of the field of 16 of the playoffs, it has not been determined um, if they will be best of five or best of seven, but the Stanley Cup final and uh, the conference final will be best of seven. Uh, He did not mention a specific time for the league to get started. He said he didn't envision uh, phase three of the protocol and return uh, would get underway before July 1st. Um, So if that is the case, if they do go to camp in early July, then you could see a late July start to the season. Phase two is going to begin in June where players can go to facilities and uh, work out and practice without coaches in small groups and get back on the ice. Some players getting back on the ice already, including Flyers captain Claude Giroux has been skating now in Ottawa. So we'll see how that plays out. Also, two hub cities. Uh, will be what the NHL prefers to use here. Uh, Gary Bettman did give a lot of the leading candidates uh, for the host cities, for the hub cities, including Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. Uh, He expects to make a decision on those hub cities as the league gets closer to play. That'll be determined uh, based on the science where the safer areas are to return for the teams without fans and that of the decision that will be made at some point here as we get into Phase 3 and Phase 4 impl- implementation uh, for the NHL. So without further ado, here's the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, and his announcement of the return-to-play scenario for the NHL.
1: Good afternoon. I am delighted to be with you today to announce the National Hockey League's plans for our resumption of play, the format of the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, and how we will conduct the 2020 NHL Draft Lottery. Before I get into the details, I wanna make clear that the health and safety of our players, coaches, essential support staff, and our communities are paramount. While nothing is without risk, ensuring health and safety has been central to all of our planning so far and will remain so. Let me assure you that the reason we are doing this is because our fans are telling us in overwhelming numbers that they want us to complete the season, if at all possible. And our players and our teams are clear that they want to play and bring the season to its rightful conclusion. Although we are anxious to get back on the ice, we will not do anything until we are assured by medical professionals and the relevant government authorities that it is safe and prudent to do so. I want to thank Executive Director Don Feer, Special Assistant to the Executive Director Matthew Schneider, and all members of the NHL Players Association, particularly players Ron Hainsey, Connor McDavid, Mark Scheifele, John Tavares, and James Van Riedenstijk, who were part of our joint Return to Play Committee. It took a great deal of collaborative effort to get where we are today, and their insight, input, wisdom and passion for our game and its traditions were essential to the process that produced the plan I'll now outline. I also wanna thank Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly and league staff and medical personnel who worked tirelessly to craft this plan. And the members of the NHL Board of Governors who once again put aside personal preferences to approve a plan that we believe is fair to all of the teams and our best option under the circumstances it will enable the best playoffs in all of sports to honor our history and produce a champion worthy of claiming the most treasured trophy in all of sports now to our return to play plan when the given go ahead from the medical experts and the relevant government authorities is given 24 of our 31 teams will resume play the top 12 in each conference as ranked by percentage points from our standings as they stood through the games of March 11th, when we paused our season as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The remaining seven teams will enter the draft lottery, which I will discuss in detail later. For purposes of nomenclature, record keeping and NHL awards, the 2019-20 regular season has been deemed to be completed. We will resume play and conduct the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs in two hub cities that will be identified and announced at a later date. One will be the site for the resuming Eastern Conference clubs. The other will play host to the resuming Western Conference clubs. Each will have secure arenas, practice facilities, hotels, and local transportation for our players coaches, and essential staff. We expect that our clubs will be permitted to travel a maximum of 50 personnel to their hub city. A very limited number of support staff will be able to access the event level at each venue. A comprehensive system of testing will be in place in each hub city. We are currently in phase one of our pause during which clubs have been instructed to self-isolate as much as possible and have done so. In early June, we expect to be able to enter phase two during which clubs can return to their individual practice facilities for voluntary small group on and off ice training. Yesterday, we released a comprehensive protocol that will govern how we will operate in phase two. Phase three of our return to play plan will be the opening of formal training camps. The timing of our entry into phase three again will be determined by guidance from medical and civil authorities. While we are anxious to open camps as soon as possible, we don't envision doing so before the first half of July. Finally, when appropriate, we will move to phase four in which our participating clubs will report to their respective hub cities and we will resume play. Obviously, we anticipate playing over the summer and into the early fall. At this time, we are not fixing dates because the schedule of our return to play will be determined both by developing circumstances and the needs of our players. For various reasons, we are also not announcing at this time which two cities will serve as our hubs. Things are evolving rapidly. And when we decide on locations, we want it to be on the best available information at the time that we need to make that determination. In the meantime, I can say we have narrowed the choices to a number of cities that as of today include Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. There are no shortage of candidates that can help us do this. Again, the final determination will depend on COVID-19 conditions, testing availability, and government regulations. The top four teams in each conference will claim automatic berths in the first round of the playoffs. They will play intra-conference round robins, each playing the other three teams to determine their respective seeds in the first round. These games will be played with regular season overtime and shootout rules with ties in the final standings broken by regular season points percentage. The remaining eight teams in each conference will play in best of five qualifying round series to determine which four in each conference advance to the first round of the playoffs. The matchups for these series again are based on points percentage at the time of the pause. These games will be played with playoff overtime rules. Once the round robins and qualifying rounds are completed, we will conduct conference-based playoffs in each hub city. The winners of the qualifying round robins will advance to the first round with each opposing one of the round robin teams. Since we have endeavored to be sensitive to players' preferences, the matchups for the first round series remain to be set as the return to play committee is still discussing whether to determine them through seeding or via a bracket. In addition, the return to play committee is still discussing the lengths of the first and second round series and whether the second round matchups will be determined through seeding or via bracket. In any scenario, the conference finals and Stanley Cup final will be best of seven. The sites of the Conference Finals and Stanley Cup Final remain to be determined, although based on what we know today, we expect those series to be played in one of the two hub cities. We believe we can get the qualifying and first two rounds of the playoffs completed in little over a month. Here are the 12 teams that will be resuming play in the Eastern Conference and assigned to Hub City One. These are the 12 clubs that will be resuming play in the Western Conference and assigned to Hub City 2. In the Eastern Conference, the top four teams by points percentage at the time of the pause who will play round-robin games to determine their playoff seeding are the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, and the Philadelphia Flyers. The qualifying round series matchups in the Eastern Conference are as follows. Number 5 Pittsburgh Penguins versus number 12 Montreal Canadiens. Number 6 Carolina Hurricanes versus number 11 New York Rangers, number 7 New York Islanders versus number 10 Florida Panthers, and number 8 Toronto Maple Leafs versus number 9 Columbus Blue Jackets. In the Western Conference, the top 4 teams by points percentage at the time of the pause who will play round robin games to determine their playoff seeding are the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. The qualifying round series matchups in the Western Conference are as follows. Number five, Edmonton Oilers versus number 12, Chicago Blackhawks. Number six, Nashville Predators versus number 11, Arizona Coyotes. Number seven, Vancouver Canucks versus number 10, Minnesota Wild. And number eight, Calgary Flames versus number nine, Winnipeg Jets. Now, to the 2020 NHL Draft Lottery. This is a bit complicated, as if what I've already told you hasn't been, and I apologize for that. The Draft Lottery will determine which clubs make the first three selections in the 2020 NHL Draft, and it will be conducted in one or two phases, depending upon the results of the various draws. The seven clubs that did not resume play and the eight qualifying round clubs that do not advance into the playoffs will enter the draft lottery. At the time of the first phase draws, we won't know which eight teams won't advance from the qualifying round. So we have designated temporary placeholders with the odds that the collective group would have had Phase one draws will be conducted on June 26th, prior to the round robins and qualifying round. There will be three separate draws to determine which clubs possess the first, second, and third overall selections in the 2020 NHL draft. Each will include the seven non-resuming clubs and eight placeholder teams that have not yet won a draw. If any draw is won by one of the seven non-resuming teams, that club or the club to which that first round pick was traded gets that selection. If all three draws are won by non-resuming clubs, there will be no need for a phase two. Should any of the three draws not be won by a non-resuming club, we will conduct a phase two before the conference quarterfinals. At that point, the assignment of the remaining top three selections will be determined through draws, including only the qualifying round clubs that fail to advance. For any and all phase two draws, all teams involved will have the same odds of winning. Once the top three selections are determined, all remaining clubs will be slotted in reverse order of their 2019-20 points percentage. Let me give you some explanation. The format was adopted in order to maintain the distribution of lottery winning odds that were in place entering the 2019-20 season. In other words, teams that do not resume play have the same odds of claiming one of the top three selections as they would have had if the 2019-20 schedule had been completed. You can see those odds here. As previously stated, all clubs involved in any phase two draw as a group will have the same odds of winning. For a possible first of such draws, each club would have a 12.5% chance of winning, one in eight, which means each of the losing clubs in the qualifying round would have, in effect, a 3% chance of winning the first overall pick obviously these are extraordinary and unprecedented times any plan for the resumption of play by definition cannot be perfect and i am certain that depending on which team you root for you can find some element of this package that you might prefer to be done differently but we believe we have constructed an overall plan that includes all teams That is a practical matter might have had a chance of qualifying for the playoffs when the season was paused. And this plan will produce a worthy Stanley Cup champion who will have run the post-season post season gauntlet that is unique to the NHL. Let me reiterate, while we are hopeful, it is our goal that we will be able to resume play and award the Stanley Cup. We intend to do so within a timeframe that will enable us to get back to a full calendar for the 2021 season. At the same time, we remain focused on the safety of our players, coaches, support staff, and arena arena personnel. We will not set dates, choose sites, or begin to play until we know it is appropriate and prudent and are approved to do so. As we seek some return to normalcy, This is an important day, particularly for NHL fans. Since March 12th, we have been hopeful and optimistic that by developing all options and alternatives, we could get to this point. I know I joined sports fans everywhere when we say we cannot wait for our players to hit the ice again. And I look forward to the greatest privilege of all, presenting the most storied and coveted trophy in all of sports to the captain of the 2019-20 Stanley Cup champions. Thank you. There's a lot
0: in there from the Commissioner uh, Gary Bettman. He also uh, did a media conference call, a Zoom call after, along with uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, uh, yesterday at 6 p.m. And a lot of the questions were answered during that time. Uh, about you know teams and the, and the draft order and and those uh, specifics and they will be determined at a later time uh, after the playoffs are over the team's draft position would likely uh, in a normal season will be determined of how the team advances through the playoffs this may be determined though uh, by how the team finishes on a points percentage basis. So the Flyers would be in a difference if they got knocked out early in the playoffs. You'd have a better draft pick, but in this scenario, uh, the teams would be uh, probably drafting in the order of points percentage again, not points because not all teams have played the same amount of games. Uh, but they have uh, uh, they can go off points percentage and figure it out from there if that's the way they determine to do it. So still some variables here, still some things to overcome. Uh, and get, spoke uh, about testing and the amount of testing they would do on his conference call with media members. Um, And he did say it's going to cost the league millions of dollars, but uh, to come back and play and and generate revenue via TV uh, will offset that, obviously. And they said they would need upwards of around 30,000 tests uh, to keep the NHL players tested, but did also mention that as a part of that equation, at the point when they will be testing players, um, it'll be a situation where uh, the test that they use won't be one that impedes the public from getting tested because of the availability of testing. They would test players and uh, have the results within 24 hours. And they did also mention Bill Daly that if it, one player does test positive, that will not shut the playoffs down. They will go into uh, procedures for that and protect other players uh, from also p- contracting the virus from any infected player should that happen during the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, a lot of variables here. Still, a lot of things to overcome. Will they be able to put a hub city in Canada? Uh, the the advantage for uh, putting a, a hub in Canada is that it doesn't cost quite as much uh, for all this, uh, all the, the the elements of hosting 12 teams in Canada with the Canadian dollar being about 70 cents to the American dollar. It is a little cheaper. Plus, obviously, uh, the connection that uh, uh, Canada has with the game. So. All of these are considerations, but we'll get those specific details in due time. But what we do know is that the team has announced a 24-team play-in uh, uh, playoff field, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, the Flyers not locked into that four seed is the big takeaway for me, and those round-robin games will mean something. So if by some chance the Flyers can do well in that round-robin and end up moving up to the three, two, or even one seed in the Eastern Conference, uh, that could be beneficial to the matchups that you face going forward. For instance, if a team like Montreal is to beat Pittsburgh, and they do do it by a reseeding system, the number one seed would then get the twelfth seed in the Eastern Conference, which would be the Montreal Canadiens. Now you say, well, that's not really a bargain because you get Carey Price. But uh, how it plays out remains to be seen, and uh, we'll see when we get those details uh, coming up from the NHL and the NHLPA as mm-hmm. the return to play committee continues to iron out all the details on every little element of this league getting it back on the ice. It's great news, and it's a a big first step for the NHL. The big first step really was the players ratifying the 2014 play-in playoff field, Um, but this is a big step with the formal announcement from the NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman. I'm going to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste, because this isn't just a beer, it's a lager. It's time to spread your wings, Yingling Traditional Lager. Had a chance uh, last week to catch up with uh, Flyers and Phantoms goaltender Alex Lyon. He played at the Yale University, collegiately, very smart guy, political science major. And uh, had a chance to catch up with him on how he's been dealing with the pause. Uh, And uh, he may be back on a roster, an NHL roster here, as they expand the rosters to 30 uh, when the game does return for the playoff run. So here's my conversation with Flyers and Phantoms goaltender Alex Lyon. Joining us right now on Flyers Daily, Flyers goaltender, alex lyon joining us alex how are you making out and how are you dealing with uh, the uncertainty that has been the pandemic
2: um i'm doing good uh hanging out in minnesota and um you know i think you know as as professional athletes we're lucky because our lives are already a day-by-day phenomenon so uh this hasn't changed that aspect of it too much and just taking it day by day and trying to enjoy it and uh uh just be as positive as possible are you are you one of
0: those guys do you follow the news nonstop, or were you doing that and you just said okay enough's enough (laughs) this is driving me crazy or you know how engaged (laughs) in in everything that's going on have you been because i just had to step away you know it's just got to be too much and i don't know what's real and what's not
2: yeah, I'm, I'm caught in between a uh, rock and a hard place because I'm, I'm a political science major. So um, I'm, I'm interested in politics just in general. Um, but I think, you know, over the last six months to a year, it's been tough for me uh, regarding both sides. You know, whatever side you fall on, I think everybody kind of is just like you said, just tired of, of the constant rhetoric and back and forth. And so um, I always want to look, and I want to read everything, and I, and I like reading both sides and the opinions. But, but like you said, it just got to a point where I was like, all right, I, I need to force myself to to not read it just because it was affecting my mood. You know, it's, it affects how happy you are, and it's like uh, I just I need to just focus on what's right in front of my face right now. So that's I, I go back and forth a lot though.
0: Yeah, it, you're right. It has become toxic and, and and it will it will drive you crazy. But what's that like for, you know, a professional athlete to, you know, you, you're in a season and there's the rigidity to that to, you know, practice, get on a plane, get on a bus, play a game, you know, there's everything's kind of planned out mm-hmm. for you, then all of a sudden, boom, you know, they slam on the brakes, you take off your skates and you haven't put them back on.
2: Yeah, I think well, it's, you know, I think it's at, for hockey at least we were fortunate to at least be able to do most of the season, you know, because it's just, you ramp yourself up for the season and then you get to the point, you know, where we were at about a month and a half ago and you're just like, all right, I need to battle for what, eight more weeks until the end of the season and then I can take a deep breath. So you kind of just, I always try to like look ahead and say, all right, I just need to focus myself in for, for two more months here and then the season's over. and then And then, like you said, it just ended so abruptly that it was like, all right, well, I still have this adrenaline and this desire and try to fuel my motivation. Uh, but now I have nothing to channel it towards. So it was, it was tough for me, I guess, just to alter my timeline. Um, just, you know, you have those expectations of, all right, I have this many more games left and this is what I want to get done. And this is where I want to end up at the end of the year. Um, so mentally it, it is, it has been pretty interesting, but um I guess I just always try to look at it and, uh, you know, i learned this going just back and forth between the Flyers and the Phantoms so often. I uh, just got to, you know, focus on that, that day to day one step at a time. Don't get too far ahead. Don't look too far back and, uh, and just, and just move on happily. Yeah,
0: you almost got to compartmentalize it to make it palatable and, and able to be dealt with. But because you're right, it's just, it's, and this uncertainty part of the equation is part of it as well. Have you been able to work out and, and try and stay in shape? Because uh, there's a chance that the league could come back and there's expanded rosters uh, being talked about, and uh, most teams will be carrying three goalies uh, while the AHL season is over. Uh, have you been able to work out and, and try and do the best you can to, to stay in shape? And I know that's hard when it comes to goalie shape.
2: For sure, for sure. I think you know the challenge. The challenge for goalies, I think, more than anything, is going to be. Um, it's just such a feel-based position, mm-hmm. as you know. You know, just the, the the eyes have to work in conjunction with the hands, and and everything kind of has to work in a certain flow state. And just um, so you know, it's going to be hard to get that back. And I think that's where my anxiety mostly lies. Um, and in terms of working out, it's, it's been nice, I guess, for me, just because I feel like I can focus on things that maybe necessarily you haven't, we haven't been able to in the past. Um, you know, after a season ends, you try and get your body back to where you want it to go. You want it to be, uh, you only have three months of time to really ramp up and get in shape for training camp. So you're constantly conditioning and, and gaining strength and I, and I felt like my body was actually in pretty good shape after the season ended. I, it's my first year uh, without injury, and so I was feeling you know, pretty good physically, and so I've really been able to focus a lot on my mobility, um, just keeping my body feeling healthy and happy, uh, trying to stretch those muscles out, and the challenge certainly has been keeping up the, you know, especially the lower body strength is tough, just without, without heavy weights. It makes it difficult, but Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about how much effort and work you want to put into it. And uh, even though uh, we don't have the typical equipment, there's other ways to achieve those results. And so that's, I guess, my feeling is there's just still no excuses. Um, And whenever the day comes where they say, all right, let's do this again. I just, I want to make sure that I'm ready for that. And that's, that's been my goal all the way through.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's so well said because you're right. The position is so rhythm oriented and feel, and then it's not like you know, like players going in off season and they're trying to put on muscle. And uh, I remember a story about Ed Belfour when he came into training camp one year, and they said uh, we needed to get on the bench press and see how many times you can bench one eighty five. And he basically told the guy to go f off because he goes when when me benching one eighty <laughs> five six times stops a puck, you let me know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just such a. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what good does that do a goalie? Uh, yeah, you can put up weight. Who gives it? You know what? <laughs> Doesn't matter.
2: Well, well, it's funny. It's cause coming from the other side. And I don't know if you remember the name Colbart Colbert Drone, but he was with the yep. for a while there. Um, and he, he was the guy who came out of college and could bench 250 pounds, 10 times or whatever. I mean, he was just a pure, pure muscle. So such phenomenal shape. And he, I think that he kind of went through the transition of, all right, I need to tone it back a little bit because mm-hmm. I, I just, I just don't have that feel. You don't have that same, you know, touch with your hands when you just have that much muscle on your body. So he kind of had to come from the opposite way. And he always told me uh, bench press doesn't score goals or, uh, you know, how many times you can bench press doesn't, doesn't score goals on the ice. And that's always stuck with me. So I think, you know, and, and for some guys, I think that it is true that maybe the stronger you are, the better you play, but it's just, it's all about finding that personal balance and what is going to make you tick and succeed and not necessarily just subscribing to the status quo.
0: Yeah, It's a great point too. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, this is a season where you weren't dealing with injury when you go into an off season now and it, you're able to um, prepare for the off or for, for the next season, as opposed to rehab, that's far different.
2: Far different, you know, and, and especially as a goalie, Oh, well, I guess, you know, for me, I just look at it as a science experiment all the time. So my first three my first three years pro, I never had one injury before I turned pro. And then my first three years pro, I had minor injuries, but just things that I wanted to cut out of my system. And um, last summer was really the first time where I thought, all right, I have this honed in. I know how I want to feel. I know how I want to look. I know where I want my weight to be. Um, and it really did work out. And so I'm just trying to stick to that method and uh, try and kind of not get back to that but also add on to that and uh, just solidify solidify everything even better yeah, it's it's
0: like working um, not harder but smarter in, in a lot of ways um, it, how frustrating is that right now to be dealing with this when you really know where you want to just dis- like you said you distribute your weight you want to distribute your power your burst and all of those things and and you're you're learning more about your body and how you want to have it for lack of a bit, like setting up a NASCAR, you know, <laughs> setting up your chassis and your yeah. tires and all that stuff to perform at your peak ability. How
2: frustrating is it not
0: to have all those tools at your disposal right now during this this pandemic? It's,
2: it, it is frustrating, and I and, you know, and I think that everybody across the board is learning more about themselves as players, and and I'm sure it's in every profession. You know, it's not just specific to hockey players, but everybody just kind of has had a chance to reflect and sit at home and see. But for us, you know, those weights, as they do provide benefit in terms of just lifting them, they also provide the benefit in saying these are benchmarks. So last summer I was here, this summer I was here. This is how much I want to lift this summer. And and now it's more like, all right, I just really, really need to trust. And can I go to sleep at night and say, all right, yeah, I did the right things today. I did a good job. I need to trust in my own perception and my instincts um, and so I guess for me I just finding that I'm becoming more in tune with my body and I've gotten that same uh, feeling from a couple other guys I've spoken to as well.
0: I, I got to ask you about this too because being mentally strong at the position is, is so paramount and for all the reasons that we've just talked about from physical to mental and, and compartmentalizing and all that stuff. Um, you were put into a situation this year uh, earlier in the season and you had to play that Saturday night um against uh, the Colorado Avalanche and you got some games under your belt which is, is a good thing to draw back on um but to come mm-hmm. into that game against a team with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton and, and uh, the player Kale McCarr I mean that's a that's a, a explosive offensive team you came in and gave him a real quality start and gave the team a win um how do you go about that mentally preparing for that game and how long did you know that you were going to get the start in that one
2: yeah, it's never it's never long. Um, it's never more than a day or two, sometimes less. Um, I think as I go through this, the more I'm I'm just I I get to have a bad tendency to get too far ahead of myself. That's my biggest problem. I always have to kind of temper that. But um, it's it, a big learning experience for me. Last year was I played. I started one game up in Buffalo, let in four goals in the first period, and I got pulled. And I just I just try to tell myself, hey it, you gotta be honest with yourself. What can you do better? You know, how how can you approach the situation different last time? Don't need to stress about it. Um, and just make sure if you ever get that opportunity again, you're always prepared when they call you up. And so that's the approach that I kind of take. I just try to learn from that bad experience and, uh, and parlay it into, uh, you know, if I ever did get the opportunity. And I thought I did a good job of that this year. Um, trying to just grow and learn. And, and it really did help me. And and also helped my confidence a whole bunch, you know, just cause I, I think I can do it, but you just don't know until you get back there and you actually do it. So um, it was, it was huge for, for my confidence. And I guess coming out of that, I just got to look at it the same way and, you know, not get too far ahead of myself and go, yeah, I'm the man. Sweet. Let's go. I think I'm an angel goalie. I don't want to think along those lines either. So I guess you gotta be super retrospective. What what did I do well? What did I do poorly? How can I improve on that again? Did, and, did you feel uh, like
0: before think, you kind of played the game before the game, and you almost like you're mentally and exhausted, maybe even a little physically too, because you're so amped so far prior to the game, like you mentioned in Buffalo.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, there's just there's just so many different things. And, and like you said, the, uh, it's just the, a tendency to overthink. I think, you know, uh, and that deep analyzation can be super beneficial to my game, and it can also be super detrimental to my game. And so finding the balance between those two is ultra important. And, uh, you know, we're having this conversation now, and I can look at it thoughtfully and, and retrospectively, but, but during the season, it's just, that's an unhealthy way to think. And it's just, all right, this is just another game. It's another start. Just stay in the moment, work hard, do the best you can and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. And if it goes like crap, if I let in 12 today. Great. If I get a shutout, great. i live with the results. I move on. And that's really the healthiest way to go about it for me personally. And so I just continue to try and hone in on that. And, um, just enjoy it too. You know, that's, that's the other thing is you get older and you just realize, all right, dang, I got to, I just got to enjoy it. I'm in the NHL. It's amazing. So yeah, take all those things into account and, uh, and do the best I can.
0: I, I can't help but think that at some point when you decide you're done playing that coaching for you would be, it would be an option. <laughs> Boy, the, the stuff that the way you think the game um, and think the position to me, is that any consideration for you? Your for sure, to for sure. You know well. Wow, I mean, come on. Let's be honest here.
2: Well, well, you know, I think where it comes from, and I've always had this belief that I'm just not a physically gifted human being or athlete, and I've never felt that way. Um, you know, you see some guys, and they come off the bus, and it looks like they're carved out of stone. <laughs> that's, that's just never going to be me. You know, I can, I've worked extremely hard to get my body in the best position possible, but if I just don't ever, I've never believed that I'm just a talented athlete. And so I have to find every other way possible to try and, you know, progress my game forward, whether it's the mental side, whether it's relaxing, whether it's so, so for me, I just look at it as, all right, all options are on the table. Um, How can I tweak things? You know, it's just a science experiment all the time. And I think that that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, How can I gain an edge where other guys aren't thinking about it and doing these things? And so I just try to make those sacrifices.
0: Those are great things uh, to teach young players and and to be cognizant of, to help players to go to the next level and goaltenders especially. Um, I'll tell you one night that you had it dialed in and um, you probably were just not even thinking it and you were just doing was May 9th in 2018, and you made uh, <laughs> 90, I mean, I can't even spit out the number without almost falling out of my chair, 94 saves in a 2-1, in topple overtime win in the Calder Cup playoffs between the Flyers and the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, Al, what was that night like? I mean, 94 oh, saves, man! I mean, that's usually three games.
2: Yeah, well well first of all it was great. It was also terrible. So just so we get that out in the open too. Physically uh, and the, mentally. Yeah, the physically mentally. No, it was it was amazing. And um in the moment, I mean it's just one of those things where it's like I'm just doing it. I'm not I don't have the intention of making ninety saves tonight. It's just things were happening in in one one interesting angle that I always try to make sure I say when I talk about it is when you're in a third, fourth, second, uh, the other thing to consider, is that was our second night of a back-to-back. So already the play is like, we're in Charlotte, you know, it's hot. The ice wasn't great. And the play is already like, all right, we're pretty tired in the third period and the four in the first overtime. And by overtime two, three, and four, it's like dump it in, retrieve it, pass it to the, get to the wing, skate it down. Dump it in, change da 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 it was it was incredible to see just it was just a chess match. nobody wanted to make a mistake, everybody was so tired um, and so like there were a couple of good chances for sure, like maybe one or two quality opportunities a period, but that game the farther we got into it, the more it lent itself to just a marathon because it's just like, all right, we're just trying to weather the storm here, nobody's actually making a push we're just we're just trying not to lose and that's kind of what it became um and i we're just so lucky to to come out on top because if we lose that game 2-1 you know that's that's history is rewritten um uh, so i just i just look back and honestly i just feel really lucky that we pulled it out and the first thing i kept thinking was man i feel bad for those charlotte guys they just yeah. spent six hours of their life and the other goalie played just in Alex Nadelkovich just played an awesome game as well. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was just interesting and kind of funny and kind of cool thing to draw on, I guess.
0: Yeah. And it'll make for great stories the rest of your life, 94 saves, uh, and, you know, in a back-to-back. I forgot about that element of it, too, because you're right. Those games tend to slog along in the third period, let alone five overtimes <laughs> later. I mean, that's just absolutely yeah. incredible. Did you have anything growing up that where I mean, you made 60 saves? I mean, 60 is a pretty absurd number. Oh. But, I mean,
2: 94. Well, so, I um, we actually grew up in, in Badette, Minnesota, which our hockey here has always been respectable. But we grew up in towns next to World Minnesota and Roseau, Minnesota, who fielded people like Brock Nelson, Aaron Ness, who was in the Islanders system for a while. Uh, the Broughtons are from World and Roseau. So it's like a big time hockey communities. And like growing up, I would get three to four games a year where I'm facing like 60, 70, 80. <laughs> um, so, so to be, but, but it was just, it's just second nature. I mean, I think I just learned to be able to live in that great mental state and like, all right, I'm just enjoying it and stopping a boatload of pucks here and I'm feeling good. And like I said, I'll just let the chips fall where they may. Uh, so that honestly, that did, that did help me uh, a little bit. And it's like, yeah, I've actually done this before. And uh, I don't know, just try not to think about it too much. And like you said, just, I just try to use it as a story and I'm not, I'm not like I don't feel exceptionally proud of it or anything like that. I just it's just fun experience to be a part of and happy that I went through it with those guys as well.
0: Yeah, it creates a bond with that group for sure. I mean, the thing about it too, every goalie's been shelled um, and had those games where that happens, and and you get into a marathon and it just becomes always about the next shot and and all of those elements of it. Just hey, I made the save. I can't worry about that save I just made now. I just got to worry about the next one, and it's always about the next one. And if you keep that kind of focused, then you're going to be good to go. Hey, Al, you know, it's real interesting too. um, You're an RFA after this season. And obviously with everything going on, um, has that put in a little added stress on you considering, you know, your RFA status and, and what's going on, not only in the hockey world, but in the world in
2: general. You uh, actually a UFA first time ever I'll be a UFA. Wow. Um, So a whole different ball. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I guess I felt like I had a good year last year. And so I was feeling pretty good about my status, um, whether, you know, wherever it may be. Um, and then this throws a wrench in things, but at the end of the day, just got to control what I can control. And, you know, I, I think that I can provide good value for teams and organizations. And, and to be quite honest with you, I just, my pursuit of playing in the NHL certainly isn't over yet whether it's, whether it's dumbfounded or realistic or whatever, that's another argument. But um, I just continue to work the hardest I can to try and make it to the NHL. And, uh, and that's just, I guess, the pursuit uh, in that I have in life. So um, I'm not going to worry about the money. And I think, you know, I wasn't drafted or, Wasn't on anybody's radar, blah, 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 until college. And and then, so I guess I just learned in a good way to focus on hockey and stop the puck. And and whatever happens outside of that is what happens. And uh, just can't worry about it too much.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, at Yale, uh, a 939 in uh, your, in 2014-15 save percentage, and then a 936 in uh, your last year at Yale. Uh, not bad. <laughs> that's going to get you on a lot of people's radar um, when you have a save percentage that high in, in that league as well, and that's some good hockey. I mean, a 164 GAA, I don't look at that GAA as necessarily just a goalie stat, but um, the, the save percentage and goals saved above expectations, the things I really look at, you know that. but. Um, Al, uh, mm-hmm. last thing for you. Um, but when you kind of look at the, the whole situation and, and what's going on, um, do you think the game gets back on the ice? Do you guys think that, uh, you know, based on the things that you're hearing as a member of the PA and everything that, you know, you guys are going to get this opportunity to culminate this NHL season and, uh, get this game back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would, I would guess i I'm, I know as much as anybody else. So like, I, I certainly don't have any insider info here, but I would just say that if, you know, Gary Bettman continues to say, "Let's get the playoffs going." Uh, he's he's a well-established guy, you know, in the professional sports community, and he's really, really highly intelligent. And uh, I trust that he is not. Sh- is, it, I trust that he's shooting everybody straight. I mean, I just think, why why would you even keep banging on that drum if you didn't think it was actually going to happen? Um, so I I just try and take little cues like that. And uh, I really hope it happens. I mean, it kind of sounds like something is going to transpire here in the next week. But, again, things change daily, and I know as much as you do. So um, just wait and see.
0: Yeah, and and I've been amazed at how transparent both Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, the league, has been about not only their desire to come back, um, but also in in some of the scenarios. And I think it's good because – you know, this hockey fans are tremendously loyal and um, to keep them kind of in the loop with what's going on, I think is, is even swelling that thirst for the game, even to have Stanley cup playoffs in the summer, you know, which is, I think is great.
2: Yes. Yeah. And you know what I've been, one thing I've been really appreciative of and I think points a lot to the hockey community is there just haven't been any inklings of, all right, well, we're only going to play for this you know, certain level of pay, Um, not that I'd necessarily even disagree with, uh, like, uh, you know, some MLB guys have come out and said that stuff, and I totally respect and support their position, um, because everybody has a family to take care of, that's the bottom line, you want to get what you're worth, for sure, but um, I do appreciate that, you know, you haven't heard any of that in the hockey community, and it's always been hockey first. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if we are talking economically, I do believe that um, everybody's going to have to sacrifice a little bit for the health of the game. Because, you know, if, if the wrong guys starts wrong guys start saying things that are, um, you know, could, could just lead to tough conversations. And so we want to get this thing back up and running full operation as quickly as possible. And if we're talking emotionally or economically, I just believe that that's the best way to go about it. So I, I hope that continues and, and it's been really encouraging so far.
0: Yeah, you're so right because like, like you said, like I don't necessarily disagree in theory with what Blake Snell and Bryce Harper kind of said, um, but it, to, to say it publicly in that way probably was a little tone deaf considering 33, Ameri- 33 million Americans are out of a job. Um, number one. And then number two, um, like we get it and we want you to be safe and get the, the sport back in the field of play. But um, it maybe it was a bit tone deaf there in the way they did it. And you're right. Everybody's going to share the pain. Nobody's getting out unscathed in some way, shape or form. So um, well, I, it's just so relative too. I mean,
2: yeah, if they every like, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Everybody's feeling the pain. So, um, you know, we're all just going to have to work together to get it back to
0: full tilt. Absolutely. That's well said. And we can wrap up on that. Hey, Al, I appreciate you uh, taking the time today. I, I probably ate up a little bit more time, but you know, when I get a goaltender on the line, I go a little
2: bonkers. <laughs> it <tends> to, it <laughs> no, tends I love happen. it. I love it. And I'm sure you can tell, I love talking about it. So I uh, appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh,
0: thanks, man. I appreciate you doing this. Stay healthy. Uh, best to you and your family. And uh, hopefully we get you back on the ice soon enough.
2: All right. Talk to you. Uh, talk to you
0: later. Special thanks to Alan Slyon for joining us here on this episode of Flyers Daily. There's a lot of guys that uh, when you cover them, you don't get to talk to them a tremendous amount, and I haven't talked to Alex a tremendous amount throughout his career, being back and forth uh, from Lehigh uh, and Philadelphia with the Flyers. Uh, but boy, I enjoyed that conversation. A really well-spoken young man and. Um, it, a guy that, uh, boy, the answers that he gave to the questions I asked I thought were just fascinating. So really enjoyed that conversation. And coming up on Friday's episode, uh, you'll get to hear a conversation that I had with Flyers skills coach Angelo Ricci. Um, a lot in this conversation that you hear coming up on Friday. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Um, it's going to be uh, very enlightening. Works with a lot of the players on different skills, whether they're healthy or not. Players trying to return from injury, all of those uh, different scenarios he's a part of that equation. So uh, we'll talk to Angelo Ricci, Flyers skills coach, coming up uh, this Friday, including how he how he got the job with the Flyers. Interesting story there as well. And this episode of Flyers Daily is brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this just isn't a beer. It's a lager. It's time to spread your wings, Yingling Traditional Lager, and give them a follow at Yingling Beer on Twitter. Everybody, that's episode uh, for your Wednesday, the 27th of May. We'll give you another one on Friday. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next time on Flyers Daily.